Corinthians 10 and 12. Let me just set this up for you. The Apostle Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he's talking about a situation that is, um, that's prevalent today. And it's amazing that within a few years of the New Testament church being birthed in the book of Acts, this condition had already taken root in the church. And of course, it's kind of the way things are today. And what I'm talking about is just the politics involved in church leadership, the way people who have ministry responsibilities deal with those responsibilities. We're talking not just about pastors and bishops and so forth and church leaders, but people who serve in places in, of uh, ministry and so forth. But this really, the concept I want to share with you this morning, really deals with every believer, every Christian, for we all share responsibility for the gospel. So Paul's talking about how, um, how the Lord wants us to deal with the responsibilities he's given us versus how in the minds of men people typically deal with their responsibilities. And so it'll make itself clear as I read. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. And, and would you say this with me kind of as a, as a prayer to the Lord together in one accord before we begin. Holy Spirit, my heart is open. My mind is open. Help me to understand what you are saying today through your word. Amen. And I believe he'll do that. All right, um, verse 12, 2 Corinthians 10. Not that we dare classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves among themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but we will boast only with regard to the area of influence. Everyone say area of influence. We will boast only in regard to the area of influence God has assigned us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach to you, for we were the first to come all the way to you, Corinthians. Now, Paul is from Israel. He's speaking about the people of Corinth that are um, quite, a, quite a distance uh, across the Roman Empire to the uh, west of them. So he's writing, we were the first ones to come into your area with the gospel. And so God has, has set the boundaries of our ministry and given us grace to reach you. You are certainly within our boundary um, and so he's saying, when I write to you, I am not uh, imposing an authority over you that God has not given me. So he says, we are not overextending, verse 14, ourselves, as though we did not reach to you, for we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. Continuing on, we do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence, there's that phrase again, our area of influence among you may be enlarged, greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Quote, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord, end quote. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved by God, but the one whom the Lord commends. My message this morning is entitled, if you're a note taker and you like titles, um, My A.O. Who knows what an A.O. is? I know there's two guys here that know what an A.O. Got a couple Marines here this morning. They know what an AO is. Somebody tell me, what's AO stand for, Mike? Area of Operation. Is that right, Scott? That's correct. That's right. And that's because that's why we like the way the Marines think. Area of Opportunity. But the AO is your area of operation. Now, God has set up the universe, he set up the world, and in, in his dealing with mankind in redemption, God 
administers his authority and his kingdom through areas of operation that he marks out through the callings and the grace that he gives to individuals that he connects with through salvation. And so each of you have an area of oper operation. And your area of operation is specifically the territory within the boundaries of responsibility of which God has made you a steward. That is your area of operation. Families that God has placed you in. Relationships He has joined you with. Churches He has planted you in. Visions He has called you to. Ministries that He has assigned you. Jobs He has given you. And communities where He has planted you. All of these together make up the boundary of your AO. Your area of operation as a Christian. What I want to do today is I want to attack the idea that as a Christian that we can simply stagger through life willy-nilly without any sense of specific boundary, without any specific order to our life and expect God to kind of go with us as we are living our life with our own dreams and ambitions and everything we want to do and ask God as though He was like, kind of the, the heavenly good fairy or something, to just throw his dust on it and make it all good, make it work. So Christians typically take all the scriptures and these phenomenal promises and powerful statements of scripture and apply them to the idea that whatever I want to do in life is just going to succeed because the Lord is with me. And I want to attack that idea not because I want to tear down the thought that the Lord isn't with us or doesn't want to give us victory because he most certainly does, but there's a condition in which God God works through our life. And that condition is that we understand that we have been assigned an AO, an area of operation. And that we see these areas of operation as a stewardship that we owe our obedience to God in as stewards. Somebody say, praise the Lord, if you're beginning to see what I'm talking about. Thank God for those two people that are catching. That's right. I'm going to have all of you by the time we get the end. You're going to get all of you. Going to get. I rolled up my sleeves for a reason this morning. All right, 2 Corinthians 10.13 says, and I quoted it in the scripture we read, but we will not boast beyond limits. So the Apostle Paul thinks in terms of limits. We will not boast beyond limits, but we'll boast only with regard to the area of influence. He's referring to an A.O., the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. Now that phrase, to reach even to you, indicates that God not only assigned the Apostle Paul an area that included the city of Corinth and the believers that would come into the kingdom, but he gave them power to, quote, reach even to them. And so that power is called grace. The word grace does not refer to permission to stay the same, it refers to divine power to change. So grace isn't permission, grace is power. It works when you obey God. The power or the grace works through you to accomplish what God has called you to do. So he says, we are not operating outside of our limits. We are operating within our AO that God has assigned us to reach even to you. So to distill that down to a simple thought, I would say to you that God works within the AO that he gives you through an impartation of grace to do his will within that boundary. Does that make sense? Now, I, I shared with you a little, a short list of things that constitute your AO. The family God's placed you in, the churches he's planted you in, the visions that he's called you to. With every one of these installs that God has done in your life, put you in connection, relationship, in areas, He has furnished you with grace to succeed in His will in that area. Does that make sense to you? So that's how God works in the earth, works in the world. In Philippians 2.13, I always quote it up here. It's one of my favorite verses. For God is at work in you to will and to do is good pleasure. I love that promise. But let me read it to you out of the Women's Bible, otherwise known as the Amplified Bible. <laughs> and 
The Amplified Bible says in chapter 2, verse 13, Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for His good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. I just like the way the Amplified just kind of brings out that God is working within you to put both the will and the power to accomplish what He wants you to do within your AO. So to summarize this thought, right now in the early part of this message, I'm talking conceptually. I'm just sharing with you the concept of an AO. I want you to buy into the idea that as a Christian, you're going to be successful if you understand that God has given you an AO, several AOs probably, areas of operation based on these various relationships that he's put you in, dreams that he's given you, ministries he's called you to, assignments that he's assigned you. So I just am sharing the concept at this point, and then the second half of the message we'll deal with the practical, what does it really mean to uh, operate in your area of operation or opportunity, as Scott said. So, Summarizing this concept, God manages His works in the world through these boundaries made by the impartations of grace that He gives to ambassadors. Now, you might think, well, I'm not called to full-time ministry. I'm not a pastor, so I don't consider myself, or I'm not an evangelist. I don't have, quote, an official ministry within the church, so I don't consider myself an ambassador of Christ. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that everyone who's born again has the light of Christ in him and is responsible and accountable to God for that light. And God has given all of you an ambassadorship to represent the kingdom of God. In fact, the minute that you became a Christian, your life became an AO. The sphere of your influence became an AO. If you're a father, you have an area of operation. As the head of a family, as, a, as the uh, father of children, if you're a mother, you have an, you see, your job, your connection to people and community, and especially whatever vision God has put in you and desire that He has installed in you to work for Him, that is your area of operation. Ephesians 3, 10 and 11 says, and this verse, by the way, uh, for the theologians among us, is a real challenge. I want to encourage you to really study this verse. There's, um, there is a fascinating truth towards the end of this verse I'm about to quote to you that um, I'd like to encourage you to consider, take hold of with this whole concept of you having an area of operation. All right, Ephesians 3, 10 and 11, here goes. So that through the church, that's you, the body of Christ, the manifold wisdom or the many faceted wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that God has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to pause for a moment and consider what was just said. He said God's eternal purpose through Jesus Christ was to make a connection in the earth with people that, that he saves and brings into relationship with himself. And then through his relationship with them, through them he makes known to the authorities and the principalities or the rulers in the heavenly places what is his wisdom. Now, you might be tempted to think that he's talking about demons and, and fallen angels and demonic structures in the heavenlies and that we make known the wisdom of God to them as we operate within our AO and, and uh, share what the Lord has given us and execute his will in our life. And um, I'm not certain that there might not be an element of truth in that, but here's the thing for you to consider. That the angels of God are here in this world all around us. Now the Bible specifically makes clear that believers are not to try to fellowship with angels, make contact with angels, that there is no place in the New Testament where the Bible says that uh, we have these regular interactions with angels and that, uh, that we connect with them and have some meaningful spiritual 
uh, communion with them. Our communion is with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. But nonetheless, these great and mighty servants of God um, fill the earth and congregate, especially in areas where God is working and specifically around areas where Christians are who are praying and have a relationship with God. And they are listening in because they're interested in hearing and seeing what God is saying about the earth through you. Which means they're not omniscient. Angels don't know all. Everything in the mind of God, every purpose that he has, every strategy, he doesn't consult with the angels. The angels that are here don't know a lot of the time and a lot of the things that God wants to do. They're not aware of it. And there's a couple of scriptures throughout the New Testament that talk about how that they are interested in looking in on the conversations of God's people. They find out about what God wants to do in your AO based on the prayers and the things that they hear you saying as you share with the Lord. They're like, wow. They are fa- the angels are fascinated by God's plan of redemption and His relationship with men. They are absolutely uh, attracted to that relationship. And the Bible says that they are actually ordered by God to get involved and assist with those things. That's why we saw the angels delivering Peter out of prison. We saw them on the battlefields of Israel in the Old Testament. Many times in the New Testament, the angels of God were involved in subduing demonic opposition that was against the church. And they oftentimes find out what God is doing by the word of God that we speak out of of our mouth, as it says in Psalms, that the angels of God hearken to the voice of the Word of God. Where does that voice come from? It comes from you and I. As we conduct our responsibility over our area of operation through prayer and praise. That's why I said this morning, let's not just sing songs. Let's declare our authority. Let us open the doors, lift up the gates of the embassy of the kingdom of God through our worship. And let's declare what God is saying for us to do. Somebody say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, let's get to the practical part of this message, which is how do you work in your area of operation? If you've bought into the idea and the concept that, okay, uh, my life is an area of operation for the kingdom of God, I understand that, I believe that. So how do I now go about fulfilling God's purpose in that AO? Number one, This primary, you can't succeed without it. It is absolutely where you make the most meaningful connection and where the real power flows. And that is, God manages your area of operation through prayer. No prayer, no connection, no flow. So, if you are not continuously and regularly connected with God in prayer... And not just any prayer. I'm going to get specific. A lot of Christians praying does not accomplish much. I'm I'm not trying to uh, uh, insult your praying or or mine either. I've I've spent a lot of worthless minutes and probably hours of my lifetime as a Christian praying worthless prayers. Worthless prayers are prayers that do nothing. Prayers that are, are meaningless. They don't make a connection because they're not based in an understanding a wisdom, a knowledge based in truth of what our assignments are and what our area of operation is. God is not, uh, well, let me, just, let, me just, let me just move in this vein. God will manage your area of operation through the prayer between you and Him. Prayer that is based in understanding and faith is where you and Jesus work together to manage your AO. So here are three practical, specific things that you must do if you're going to effectively manage your area of operation. Number one, realize that your AO is your responsibility. Too many of us do not see answered prayer, and we don't see God move because we think, well, we don't do it, someone else will. We don't believe that we are essential. We don't believe the the areas of responsibility God's given us are actually our responsibility for which we're accountable. 
And so, what does that say, hearing me say? What does that say to you? It should say, there's a lack of faith. If you don't believe that you are responsible, then how can you possibly have faith when you pray? The only times that I operate in any real faith is when I believe I'm the man, I'm on the spot, and this is the moment. This is the moment, I'm here, this is it. Otherwise, there's no faith. It's just religious exercise. It's just fulfilling a sense of religious obligation. And we throw out these prayers and we think, well, God will pick up on this. That's all he needs. He just needs to hear his words tossed up into the air. and He'll scoop them up and do something with them. But realize that your area of operation is your responsibility. The impartation of grace and let me call it operational grace. Again, I want to get away from the idea that grace is just some kind of permission, some happy sauce that God pours over your life so that whatever you do, you know, God's grace is on it. It's kind of, a, it's kind of a, a, an eternal get-out-of-jail-free card. And not that the Lord doesn't get us out of jail free perpetually, but grace has a purpose. And that grace is the power to operate in your life. God wants to use you. He wants to move through you. He wants you to be able to address the objectives he puts before you, defeat the enemy, and take possession of the territory that he has stationed you in. And so the impartation of grace for your calling furnishes you both with ability and accountability. So if God has, for example given you an insight in the Word, installed the gifts of the Spirit in your life, um, word of knowledge, speaking other tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, discerning of spirits, the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. So much of what God gives us, we think is just a gift, and it is an option in our life what we do with it. But with every installment that God puts in your life, you receive a responsibility. So God furnishes accountability with ability. When you're given ability, you're accountable for that ability. God expects to get something through you, out of it, and to be able to advance you and promote you in the process. So you need to begin to think like a steward. You need to begin to have almost a, a military outlook on your walk with Jesus Christ if you truly want to be a child of the kingdom. The term kingdom itself suggests government. And the Bible says in Isaiah, the government is on his shoulder. And it goes on in Isaiah and says there's no end to the increase of his government. If the Lord is expanding in the earth today, he's expanding his government, his rule through people who understand the authority and accountability and they live accountable with that authority unto him. Somebody say praise the Lord if you get what I'm saying. Now, I use these terms, uh, military accountability, the kingdom of God, and you might think only of outreach and, and your responsibility as a Christian out in the public to share the gospel. But I want to share with you an example of, uh, in Scripture of this first principle, this first thing you must do, realize your responsibility. I want to share an example that's very domestic, very private, very personal. And that is your marriage. 1 Peter 3.7 is a verse that talks about your AO. And it particularly addresses husbands. So listen. Peter says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Now let's pause for a moment. My wife wants me to understand her. But when Peter says, Nick, live with Kathy in an understanding way, he's talking about more than me understanding Kathy. Because sometimes what Kathy wants me to understand is her way. So when the Lord says, live with Kathy in an understanding way, he's not concerned with Nick's way, and he's not concerned with Kathy's way, he's concerned with Jesus' way. There is a way that God will make this marriage to be productive, powerful in his mission. And so Peter writes to the husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way. Understanding what? Understanding your marriage is an AO. 
Your marriage is a divine area of operation. It's not just a playground. It's not just a battlefield. It's not just an area of option. It is an area of operation where God wants to operate. We know that if marriages dissolve and are destroyed and if families are scattered, the society and the nation fall into ruin. And so if the Lord is trying to bring people into the kingdom of God, His purpose is not advanced through failure and defeat, but through success and prosperity of His purpose. So he writes to the husbands, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, I have to say this was probably written to men when they were a little younger because a terrible wicked thing happens as the decades roll up on you. Sometimes, this doesn't happen in my case, but sometimes the wife becomes the stronger vessel as the years go by. But you understand the concept is honor your wife as the weaker vessel since they are, listen to this, heirs with you. He's talking about an area of operation. Heirs with you of the grace, the operational grace of life. So God's saying your marriage is an AO and your wife is your partner in that area of operation. You and your wife fall out and your progress in life has just come to an end. Until you fall back in, you're not going anywhere except in circles. I'm going to say it again. I, you're probably not going to believe me. But the sooner you buy into what I'm about to tell you, the sooner you can start moving forward in life again. You fall out with your wife, fall out with your husband, you're out. And you will not move forward in the kingdom of God until you fall back in again. He said, live with your wife in an understanding way, honoring them as a joint heir of the operational grace of life. Listen to this. So that your prayers may not be hindered. So God is saying about just this one area of operation that you're responsible for. You are wasting time praying for your job, praying for advancement, praying for success in any of the areas of life that you're praying for, if in this area of operation you are rebelling, refusing, abdicating, neglecting to see that you have an accountability to, before God to operate in your marriage as an AO. So you kind of get that idea, praise the Lord. You say, you might be tempted to say to Jesus after hearing this, the exact same thing the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, if this is the case, it's better to remain single. And the apostle Paul jumped up ahead of Jesus and said, yeah, well, that's why I'm single. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you can see that many people leap into marriage without understanding at all what they're getting into. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't hold you accountable for it. If marriage truly is an area of operation, what God has put together, let no man put asunder. Just because you don't understand that when you get married, does that mean that God changes his mind about it? No. We're accountable for not only what we know, we're accountable for the ignorance with which we jump into these things. God's not going to change the universe just because you don't understand how the universe works. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This is a happy message, so let me move on. Okay. As you pray, the Holy Spirit's going to give you answers for the battles within your AO. As you pray, whether it's your marriage, whether it is your membership in your church, whether it is uh, your uh, in being installed in the work that God has installed you in, a relationship, a vision that God's given you, a dream He has sponsored in you, any of these things that God has given you that are an AO or an area of operation, as you come before God, understanding you are responsible for these areas, when you pray, the Holy Spirit's going to give you the answers for the battle. 
He is going to tell you and show you what to do so that you can succeed in those areas. And can I say to you something that Aaron said a couple weeks ago when he was up here, and it's so true. Do not try to operate outside of your AO as a Christian. More people waste time praying for things they have no responsibility for. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean if God puts upon your heart and shows you and tells you, I want you to intercede for Afghanistan and, or, or just some place that's remote perhaps you've never been to. If God tells you to do it, then you've got a connection. But many Christians take on things that they have no connection to and pray thinking God's just going to do all that. And they have no connection to those things whatsoever that God has furnished them. And uh, sometimes people will get outside of their AO and jump into other people's area of op uh, uh, operation and try to operate. Don't do that because by doing that, guess what? You have stepped beyond the grace God has given you. God has furnished you grace that will work within the area he's given you. And when you try to step outside of that area and intercede and do all these things and operate spiritually, but you don't have grace for it, guess what? You're going to have, well, at the very least, you're going to be frustrated with things that don't work out. And at the worst, you could encounter resistance from the enemy that could, that could have an impact upon your life negatively. Number two. The second thing you need to do, understanding that prayer is where you really connect with God concerning your AO or concerning your area of oper operation. Number two is understand the mission in your AO. Understand what the mission is. A lot of people jump into things that, that God has called them to assuming that they know what God wants or how he wants it done. But understand that operational grace has been given to you to advance Jesus' kingdom mission, not your mission. This is why um, people tended to reject the prosperity message, which was very unfortunate because the Bible has a prosperity message. It talks very specifically about God's people prospering, but it's in the context of people obeying specific missions that God put them in, and as they did, He prospered them. And the scriptures were very clear that if you do this, and if you obey me and you go into this area, Abraham, you will prosper. And Moses and all these guys, they prospered. But they didn't prosper just by running around the countryside, doing whatever entered into their mind to do, or they didn't assume that wherever they went and whatever they did, they would prosper. The Bible doesn't teach that. So unfortunately, People begin to reject the idea of prosperity, for example, simply because they saw people taking that message and seeing it as a blessing from God without staying faithful to the mission God had given. Everything comes down to the mission. You not only have an AO, but within your AO, your responsibility isn't to have your best life now. Your responsibility is to do the will of God and you will have the best life that the Lord has assigned for you to have. Somebody say amen. amen. Operational grace is furnished to advance Jesus' mission. So with the fruits of the Spirit, for example, that Galatians 5 tells us about love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Against these there is no law, the Bible says. These are the characteristics of Jesus. So as you're in prayer and fellowship with Jesus and you operate within your area of operation, you do so knowing that you're responsible to be Christ-like. That's what this boils down to. Be Christ-like. If you step out of representing Jesus Christ and you're just a bad Christian, and you say, well, you know, I'm, I'm under grace and people are just going to have to get over it. <laughs> They're just going to have to understand. I've been through some things. You know what I'm saying? We make excuses for why we can deviate from Jesus' mission, behave however we want to behave, and then expect blessings. See, the, 
You're not going to succeed in your AO in any way other than being Christ-like. So understand his mission is to redeem and save those who are within your area of operation. He wants to be lifted up. Jesus wants to be exalted through your AO, and so you need to represent him. And that's the other thing you want to keep in mind in prayer. The more that you understand that divine provision is hidden in divine purpose, the more you'll succeed in your mission. God has provided wonderful promises for us about Him meeting our needs and supernatural provision. But that's not there as a promise in Scripture for us to run through life not even considering what God's will is for our life and yet expect Him to prosper whatever we put our hand to. It is for us to walk in obedience to His mission in our life and as we do that, He will prosper us because we're being mission-minded, His will. One of the greatest examples of these was where we got the term Jehovah Jireh. Now, who knows what the term Jehovah Jireh? Jehovah Jireh is one of the compound covenant names of God in the Old Testament that interprets into Jesus Christ. Jehovah Jireh, we, we understand that that means the Lord provides. That's how we have, quote, we have interpreted. The Lord is my provider, Jehovah Jireh. But let me tell you where that actually came from was Genesis chapter 22. When God had said to Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the heaven. And out of your own loins will come this great mighty nation which will eventually produce the Savior that will save all mankind. It's a tremendous vision and promise that God gave Abraham. So Abraham doesn't go running through life saying, Woohoo, I'm just going to make children and the Lord's going to multiply them and uh, something really awesome for all of humanity is going to come out of it. But instead God speaks to him after he at 99 years old has his one son, Isaac with a 90-year-old wife, and he loves Isaac, and it's like, it's a miracle that I even have a son at 99. And now the Lord tells him to take him up on top of this one specific mountain, Mount Moriah, take him up on Mount Moriah, and sacrifice him, give him back to God. Well, first of all, human sacrifice was abhorrent. God can't possibly want human sacrifice. But God saw down through the corridors of time that he would sacrifice himself as the son Jesus Christ for all of us and so as abhorrent as human sacrifice is it was the means by which the Lord was going to save us all sacrificing himself but Abraham is God's covenant partner and so he puts on Abraham's heart to step out as his representative in his AO in his area of opportunity and be willing to sacrifice his son the whole time God knows that he's not going to allow Abraham to plunge that knife in and really sacrifice his son, but he's got to get him to the point where he's absolutely willing. In Abraham's mind, it's done. So he takes his son, who amazingly is probably in his mid-teen years, somewhere around that, bundles up sticks. His son's going up the hill with him. His son lays down on the altar and is going to let his dad do it. I mean, that is really amazing as an act of obedience and faith. So the faith and the obedience was not just on Abraham's part, but also on Isaac's part. And so you know the story, how he's about to sacrifice him, and the Lord speaks out of the spirit realm and says, no, don't do that. Look over there in the bush. There's a, there is a, a lamb, and he gets that ram out of the bush, and he sacrifices. He says, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. And that ram was... was uh, uh, was an analogy, if you will, a picture, an example of Jesus who was the Lamb of God to come hundreds and a couple thousand years later. So, the Bible says, and Abraham called the name of that place where he was going to sacrifice Isaac, but instead sacrificed the Lamb that the Lord provided. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. And so it is said to this very day, quote, in the mountain of the Lord, the provision will be made. So I want you to understand that the promise of God meeting our needs is not go running through life just because you're a Christian and expect that everything you do, God's going to touch it with the Midas touch, turn it to gold. I mean, we have prayer, we have all, all you know, <clears throat> um, 
prayer calls for people to come up the altar. Have you ever heard us say, there's a good luck anointing here today? Come up for your good luck. God's going to anoint you and give you good luck. You're going to have really good luck today. Um, and so come up and just receive that good luck. No, you never, I mean, you would be appalled to, because you know that's not how God operates. And so the Lord spoke through Abraham <clears throat> and said, in the mountain of the Lord, where by obedience I went up to do what God called me to do and was specific to operate in my area of operation, the provision will be seen. That's where the provision is. So the more that you learn that divine provision is hidden in divine purpose, the more you're going to succeed in life. And so with that, let's move on to point three. Point three is be heaven's gate on earth within your AO. Now, Psalm 24, 7 says, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, so that the King of glory may come in. Wow. Listen to that. Let me say it again. Lift up your heads, which by the way in Hebrews, translated means look up. Lift up your heads and look up, O gates, lift up and be lifted up, rise up in Hebrews it, it means, rise up, O ancient doors, and the King of glory will come in. So in your area of operation, you are heaven's gate in your marriage, in your church membership, in your membership of the community in which you live, in every responsibility, in every area that God's put you in, you are heaven's gate in that area. And the Bible says, look up, lift up, rise up, O gates, open, O doors, look up to the Lord, the King of glory will come in. You do that through prayer. It's in prayer. It's in worship. This is why the devil fights our prayer life. This is why he fights praise and worship coming out of your mouth. Because you are a gate. And that gate remains closed until you deliberately and intentionally open it by worshiping the Lord and declaring his glory and coming before him saying, I am your ambassador here in this area of operation. I'm reporting for duty. I'm reporting in on the circumstance and the situation within my area of operation. Sir, Lord, King of glory, here I stand. May your kingdom come and will be done in earth as it is in heaven. See, the gate isn't even open for the Lord to come into your area until you begin to seek the face of God for that area. It's not just because you're there that God's going to bless it. You have to function as the gate that opens up to allow the Lord to enter. Somebody say amen. amen. So as heaven's gate and as heaven's door in your AO, lift up your head. Your head represents your authority. Use your authority by praying and worshiping the Lord concerning that area of your life. And Jesus, the King of glory, is going to enter... And listen to this. That scripture in Psalm was fulfilled 2,000 years ago, the first time, when Jesus rose out of the tomb with the blood that defeated Satan and sin and death. And as he entered heaven, hallelujah, the Bible says in Revelation that a shout went out through heaven. The angels of heaven shouted, and the Bible says, as the gate, they opened up and they said, who is this king of glory? He is the Lord mighty in battle. He's just defeated Satan. He's just defeated sin. He's just risen up out of the grave. And he entered heaven with the blood that purchased our salvation, the blood of mercy, the blood of forgiveness. The Bible says that as Jesus entered heaven, the proclamation was made, and it's recorded in Revelation. It says, now is come salvation. Now is come deliverance. Now is come the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. And the accuser was cast out, his place never again to be found in heaven, and his voice never again to be heard in heaven. Well, we certainly hear the devil running his mouth. 
He's been running his mouth for 2,000 years. The enemy's involved in our life. So you mean he's not operating in heaven? No. He's not operating in heaven. He has not been there. God hasn't listened to the devil once since Jesus entered. The Bible says when Jesus entered, the devil was cast down. And it says right in Scripture, his voice never again to be heard in heaven. Why is that? Because the blood speaks better things than that of Abel. The blood of the advocate silenced the accuser. And the Bible says Jesus fills heaven ever living to make intercession. So Jesus 24-7 for all eternity began 2,000 years ago to fill heaven. And the Bible says at that moment on that day the kingdom of God entered heaven and set up control. Hallelujah. And then the scripture says immediately afterwards Satan was cast down to the earth. And it says, Woe to you inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath. And so where does the devil accuse since he's no longer allowed to go talk to God about you? He comes after you. He shouts in your ear. He gets in your face. He talks to you. He talks through your mama. He talks through your papa. Talks through your kids. Talks through your boss. Talks through your own thoughts. He's constantly yapping at you trying to get you to back down from the Word of God. Trying to talk you out of what Jesus has done for you and what He's given you. And so I want you to understand, you are heaven's gate in your AO, in your area of operation. You are the gate, you are the door that Jesus will come through into your marriage, into your home, into your calling, into everything that God has given you. He will enter through your prayer as you lift up your gate. As you open your door, lifting up your head, this is why you need to pray every day and throughout the day. Don't let your connection of prayer be broken with the Father. Be in prayer as someone who has been assigned an area of operation, knowing that it's God's area of operation because you are the gate that He will enter. Oftentimes we say, when is the Lord going to come into this situation? He's coming in through your prayer. You are the one. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Let me finish by saying this. Your entire AO, or God's, I should say, God's entire AO strategy works through your stewardship of operational grace. As I've outlined in these three things you need to do concerning prayer, as you operate in grace, God's entire strategy to occupy your area of operation is at work. And Satan understands that. And so because he understands it, he understands that you are Jesus' gate of entrance into your AO, and also that he can't operate where the King of Glory has entered. So when the King of Glory entered heaven, what happened to the devil? He was cast out, couldn't come back. So when Jesus enters a territory as a king of glory, the accuser is cast out and he cannot operate. He's got to go somewhere else. He's got to go outside that area of operation. And the devil knows that. Therefore, I'm going to leave this simple encouragement with you that through your daily and unbroken fellowship with God, report in. Lord, here I am this morning. I come to you concerning my AO. As, this, as the pastor of this church, this is one of my AO. This is my AO. And it says in Hebrews 13, don't let your pastor have to report on you out of grief, for that would not be profitable for you as he that must give an account. So I have an accountability that I have to take seriously. I can't take the attitude that, oh, well, they're just goof-ups. You know, or oh, they're this or that. Now, it's not my responsibility. I'm just responsible to preach or teach. No, no. I have an accountability. I have a responsibility. I can't do the work. Jesus is your Lord. I'm not your Lord. I can't be your Lord. I can't do any more for you than what you can do for yourself. 
We need Jesus to work, but still God holds me accountable. Why would God hold me accountable if I'm not the one who can heal you, if I'm not the one who can change your life? Why does God hold me accountable? Because it's my area of operation. And the Lord holds me accountable for bringing him into this situation. So the Lord, who is the one who can help you, is brought into the situation as I open that door in my area of operation and let him come in. That same power is available to you. In fact, that same power is your responsibility in your area. And so report in. Come before the Lord and pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. The disciples said, teach us to pray. What did Jesus say? Pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Listen to this. Your kingdom come into my area of operation as it came in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my area of operation as it came in heaven. So how do I get God's will to come, his kingdom to come and his will to be done in my area of operation? The same way it came in heaven. That's how it comes upon the earth. I am his ambassador. I am that gate that brings him in. That's why that no matter what the... This, this diabolical group that's uh, threatening to take over the downtown and all of their money and influence and power does, all it takes is a few people standing in their AO that God has given them, refusing to back down to see the Lord, just like he moved through David against Goliath and the entire Philistine army. And so many times throughout Scripture, just in the same way that a handful of previously beleaguered and discouraged disciples ended up splitting the Roman Empire wide open and winning millions to Jesus Christ over the next uh, successive generations. That's how God operates in the earth through your AO. I close with this verse, James 4, 6 and 7. But God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud. The proudest of person who says, I can do it my way. I'll handle it myself. Instead, the Lord says, no, you need to check in. Understand your life as an AO. You need my grace, my operational grace. Therefore, God says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. In other words, accept your life as an area of operation. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That verse opens up by saying God gives more grace. You can see more of God's power working in your life than you see at this moment. You simply need to understand your circumstance as an AO. And you need to come before God and report in on your AO. God will give more grace to succeed and overcome in that area. Somebody say praise the Lord. Close your Bible. Stand with me this morning.